Toward the beginning of January, uh, a Powerball ticket was sold in New Hampshire that had a jackpot that won $559 million. A lump sum payment would total over $350 million before taxes. Now, folks, please, as I share this, please hear me. This is not an endorsement of the lottery system. I don't want you all to go out and get some lottery tickets and hope that, that we win uh, a million bucks so that we can go ahead and pay, pay off the mortgage, but, although that would be nice. Uh, but but I, I simply share that simply because I want to make this point. Whoever owned that ticket, if they didn't die of a heart attack, <laughs> received immeasurably more than they hoped or imagined. In recent weeks, we've been looking at some of the names of God, some of the names that he uses to describe himself so that we can catch a glimpse of how infinite and how glorious and how majestic and how powerful he really is. And we've looked at the fact that he is, first of all, Elohim, which is creator God. He's Adonai, which is Lord or Master. He's Jehovah, a relational, personal God. He's also Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We've also looked at the fact that he's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. And then we saw just a couple of weeks ago that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. And this week we want to end up looking at the fact that God uses another name to describe himself. It's El Shaddai. And it's commonly translated Lord Almighty. Now this sounds similar to the word that, that or the term that, that Will preached about so well last week. El Elyon. The most high God. The God who is the same yesterday and today for, yesterday, today and forever. And, and that's El Shaddai and El Elyon, they kind of sound alike, don't they, a lot of times? But it comes from the word El, Elohim, which refers to God, the Creator, the one who by, just simply by saying things caused everything that we know of in creation to come into being. And just because of that, God is Almighty. He has the power to do things we can't even conceive of. And he is the one that we have worshipped and that hopefully we will continue to worship in days to come. But God is so much more than that. He is El Shaddai. And the term Shaddai refers to a God who is, in addition to being creator God, all-powerful and almighty, is also all-sufficient. He is nourishing, He is comforting, and He is able to do far, far more than we can ever conceive of, than we ask or imagine. Today is Palm Sunday, and we remember, you know, we've, we've been in services, and we've had services here where the kids have come in with their palm branches, waving them, and coming up and singing, and, and it's been very, very meaningful and very, very special. It's a celebration of a very special day as people were coming into the city of Jerusalem, and they were looking for a time, and they were anticipating the coming of a Savior, the coming of a King, of a Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled that. He fulfilled a prophecy that was made by Zechariah 500 years before. And he got on the back of a, of a 
of a young donkey, and he sat on it, and he rode into the city of Jerusalem. And when people saw that, they recognized that prophecy, and they saw something very real taking place before them, and they began to coat the, 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 the ground with their cloaks. They also began to cover the ground and wave palm branches, and they would say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. And they thought that Jesus was their king. And he was, and he is. The thing of it was that they had a view of who Jesus was that was far different than what he did, than what he had. It was, he came to save us. He came to meet our deepest need. But they thought of him as a temporary king. A king who would come in and he would kick out all the Roman government and he would free this nation and allow for them to enjoy independence and different things like that. And they thought that he was going to be a political and a military leader. He would be unstoppable. He would be almighty. After all, they had seen his miracles before. And as a good king, he'd provide them with prosperity, with comfort, with sufficiency and abundance. What a contrast that was to what Jesus planned to do. Because just a few days later, he would hang on a cross, bloodied and died. And he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took our place so that we wouldn't have to die. But I think that rather than being harsh on the crowd that was there, I think that a lot of times we need to understand that we're like that as well a lot of times, aren't we? You know, we think that if we follow Jesus, everything's going to be okay in our lives. We won't have a worry. He'll take care of everything for us. He'll give us what we want. He'll give us a nice house, a happy family, a life that's always free of trouble. But when trouble does come, anybody had trouble here? Huh? Can I see a show of hands? Anybody had trouble here? When trouble does come, when it takes longer than we think to right wrongs in our lives, when we struggle to achieve what we want or remove our difficulty, we get discouraged. And like the crowd, we fail to realize that Jesus is El Shaddai, the Almighty, the all-nourishing, the all-sufficient God who came to deal with the very root of our issues. And the very root of it is sin. He came to die so that we might live. He did what we couldn't do on our own. You see, we want these simple helps, these temporary helps. But God and Jesus provide so much more. And the first time we hear of El Shaddai is in the Old Testament. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 17. And if you don't know where Genesis is, it, it, it's an easy one to find because all you got to do is just open the Bible at, you know, t- toward the first few pages and you reach the book of Genesis and you go to chapter 17. And uh, that's when we hear the name El Shaddai. And just to give you a little bit of background, Abram is the guy that's been, that, that's the character, the, the person in this story. And, and he's been called by God to, to follow him. 
God says to him, hey, I want you to go to a place. And he shows up in chapter 12, and God show, shows up to him, and he says, hey, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to go ahead and show you, but you've got to leave everything. You've got to leave your family. You've got to leave your hometown, and you've got to go there. And so he does. By the way, I forgot to mention, Abram was 75 years old when he did that. Folks, don't think that just because you turned 65, 70, it's time to hang up and quit because sometimes God uses us in the most effective way when we've got some common sense about us when we've learned through the school of hard knocks and we are receptive to his leadership he still uses young people in a mighty way but I love it how he uses older people as well because there's no distinction of age in his eyes. So here he was, 75 years old, and he went to a land along with his wife, Sarah, that God would show him. By the way, Sarah couldn't have children. But God promised Abraham that a great nation would come through him, and Abram believed God and obeyed him. Fast forward 10 more years. Abram is now 85 and Sarah is 75 years old. Still no child. And so the two of them started to wonder, well, maybe we need to get a little bit creative and help God along the way. And Sarah, Sarai had a slave girl by the name of Hagar. and he said, She said, why don't you go have a child with her? And Abram was a little bit too agreeable, and he did. And he had a son by the name of Ishmael, who, by the way, is the ancestor of all the Arab people. And Ishmael was born to Abram through Hagar, and yet God comes to him and he says, now that isn't what my plan is. <laughs> I think you jumped ahead of me, and... I've got something different. And in verses 1 through 3 of Genesis chapter 17, after Abram had lived another 14 years, okay, 85 plus 14, you guys do the math, because here it says exactly what it is. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell face down. And the God Almighty that we read about here is none other than El Shaddai. And as El Shaddai, God not only comforts Abraham, but he gives Abram and Sarai new names but basically says to him, you thought you had a plan and you thought you could help me do this, but this is something that I'm going to do. I'm going to do something so amazing. I'm going to do so much more than what you ask or what you imagine. And he promised through the, in that chapter and then later on that Sarah, Sarah herself would bear a son to Abram and would name him Isaac. And the reason he's named Isaac is that when Abram and Sarah heard about that, they laughed. By the way, Isaac means laughter. Have a child at 90? Have a child at age 100? 
And sure enough, they did. But in the process, or in this, in this promise that we read about in Genesis chapter 17, God Almighty also gives Abram and Sarai new names. Abram means exalted father, and God called him Abraham, and that's what we use most often, as the father of many nations. And Sarai literally means princess, but often refers to a contentious type princess, you know. But he changed her name to Sarah. to royal princess. And it was a reflection of the covenant that God made for them. A year later, their son named Isaac was born. And, and, and we find ourselves scratching our head, and back then they were scratching their heads too. How is this possible? How is this possible? Humanly speaking, it wasn't. But not when El Shaddai, the almighty, comforting, and nurturing God, does immeasurably more. Whenever he's involved, amazing things happen. Folks, I want to tell you about a covenant because this is something that, 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 that God makes with Abram and it's critical for us to understand because a covenant is something special. We live in a, in a, in a society that focuses a lot on contracts and unfortunately, contracts get broken all too often. They, 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 there's a loophole that's found and this, that, and the other, but a covenant can only be broken if the one making the covenant dies. It's intended for a lifetime. That's why in marriage ceremonies we include the words, till death do us part. Because it's a covenant. It's a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. All to God's glory. And I know that there have been those in this room who have gone through divorce and separation. And I, please understand, I ache for you. Because you have experienced what the brokenness, you know, when a covenant is broken, what pain is. In Romans chapter 7, the Bible tells us that because the giver of the covenant has to die, it goes on to explain that because Jesus died on the cross, the covenant that God made in the Old Testament with his people was now null and void, and a better covenant was introduced through Jesus Christ. A new covenant was issued and, we, and all who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior are given a new name, just like Abraham was and Sarah was, did. If you're a follower of Jesus, your name is Christian. That is, you wear the name of Jesus. And we are fully defined by that name. It is the name that is above every name to which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The humanly impossible and immeasurably more thing that God does is that by His wonderful, 
amazing grace. He sees us as perfect, not because we've done anything that deserved that, but because the blood of Jesus covers us and He sees us through that blood and He sees us as forgiven. He sees us as whole. He sees us as His children, adopted by Him through the blood of Christ. And that's what God thinks of you. That's how much He values you. And he makes it possible because he is El Shaddai, the Almighty, the comforting, the nurturing God who is able to do more than we ask or imagine. El Shaddai is tough, and yet at the same time he's tender. He is wild, and yet wondrous. He is unstoppable, and yet upholding. And El Shaddai provides when we can't see how. And I think that's what makes the story of Abraham and Sarah so stinking amazing. They had all but given up on the possibility of having a child together. It all seemed impossible. But El Shaddai showed up. And you see, Tony Evans says that El Shaddai makes himself known within the context of the impossible. And Abraham and Sarah came up with their own view of what they thought was God's plan by, by including Hagar and having Ishmael. But God supplied so much more than they imagined. Folks, He is an unstoppable God who does impossible things. He is a but God kind of God. He is so much more than we can ever fathom. In the book of Jeremiah, the prophet was dealing with doom and gloom all around him. He was finding himself in situations where, where, where there, was a, there was going to be... Um, siege to the city of Jerusalem. It was going to be destroyed. Everybody was going to be deported. They were going to be taken into another land. And it was all hopeless. And yet God told Abraham, uh, Jeremiah, I want you to go, buy out, go out and buy this piece of land. And he did, but then he asked why. I think that made good sense because the predictions were very dire. The situation around him was very, very, almost seemed hopeless. And God told him that the time would come when the people who had been deported would return in safety. You see, in the midst of all the destruction and all the seeming hopelessness, there was still an unstoppable God moving forward with his plans and accomplishing his will. And he says in Jeremiah 32, verse 27, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? And when talking about salvation, Jesus himself says in Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible, but all things are possible with God. Now folks, there are times, however, when we want God to do things that we need to take care of ourselves. Can we be honest about that? You know, we need to, we need to take responsibility for a lot of things on our own and undergo those. A prominent preacher was speaking at a ladies' conference or a ladies' luncheon one day uh, in a church, and uh, the, just before he got up to speak, 
a missionary got up and spoke about some needs that were going on in her mission and gave a report on what was taking place. And she said, by the way, I just found out that something has taken place at my mission that is going to require $4,000 to fix. And we don't have the funds in our mission budget to, to go, to, in our mission accounts to even cover it. And she sat down, and the president of the ladies' group got up and said, well, thank you, Sister Smith, uh, for sharing with us. We will certainly be in prayer about that. And then she turned to the preacher, and she said, uh, Mr. So-and-so, would you, would you please pray for this? And the preacher got up and said, I'm not going to pray for this. Everybody was kind of shocked. Say, I'm not going to pray for this. You all probably have more cash in your pocketbooks that will take care of this need. And I'm not going to ask God to do something that you can do. So empty your pockets. Give what you have. And if it's not up to the $4,000, then I'll pray. And you know what? The shocked ladies took up an offering and they received well over the $4,000 that was needed. You see, folks, we have stuff that we face that we need to take responsibility for. But sometimes we use prayer as a scapegoat just to avoid it. Oh, I, Please pray for me. I'm struggling with this. Well, do something about it. Because sometimes we can. Okay? But we avoid it because we know it's going to be hard and we don't want to make the sacrifice. And so often what God calls us to do, just like he did with Abraham, is you make the sacrifice and then watch and see whether or not I'll take care of it. Because I am that kind of God. And that's when He becomes so real to us. When we step out in faith and we do what He asks us to do, and then He moves. And then He transforms. And far too many of us see God as simply a genie in the bottle that will do what we want. When He is so much more than that. And he is not to be contained by us. But there are times, folks, let's be honest, that there are seemingly impossible things that pop up. An incurable illness. A tragic accident or loss. Abandonment, abuse, senseless evil. And you find yourself in those situations and so many others where you've done everything that you can but now you need to call out to El Shaddai who provides even when you can't see how. And in those moments, he does. We have been fortunate enough as a congregation to, and blessed enough through your generosity that as a congregation, we're not only able to continue to meet the ministries and the needs of this church as we reach out into the community, but also pay for a mortgage uh, 
every month of over $10,000 a month. And I want to thank you and commend you for that. That is something we can very easily achieve here. But we also owe a $1.3 million mortgage. And this has been something that has been very much on the hearts of our leadership. And I have begun praying that El Shaddai would show up and as we are faithful, do the impossible. Because $1.3 million, I don't know about you, but to me is impossible. Can I get an amen on that? But I believe in a God who does immeasurably more. Tony Evans asked, so how can we know something that, is, that something is supplied by God? And in looking at Scripture, he says two things. We can see the work of El Shaddai in two ways. First of all, when it's beyond our capacity. Because Abraham and Sarah knew that they could not have a child. Only God could make that possible. And my question to you today is, what do you face that is impossible apart from God? What do you need to pray for? What do you, where do you need to ask God to be obedient and to follow in order for Him to do what is impossible? But the second thing is, is that God leaves leftovers. <laughs> he leaves leftovers. You remember John chapter 6? Jesus is out in the wilderness. People have followed him. He tries to get away for a personal retreat. He can't do it because people are following him. And they go to where he is, and there's over 5,000 men, not including women and children, and, and they are all there, and they need to eat. All that's available are five loaves and two fish. And you know what, God, what Jesus does? He says, bring it here. And he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he distributes among the people. And over 5,000 men, not counting women and children... I mean, they got fed too. They all ate. So figure at least 15,000 people. And God supplied in a miraculous way. But one thing that we tend to miss is that right after that, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, go ahead and collect what's left over. And they collected 12 basketfuls of bread. Now, it's not just little baskets. I was trying, I, I should have brought something here. It's not those little baskets. This was, these were big baskets, about this tall and about this wide. And they collected 12 basketfuls of leftover bread because God is able to do impossible things. And God is able to give far, far more than we need. As a result, we don't merely have enough. We have more than enough. Maybe you've heard the story about the fisherman that would go, went out with a fishing buddy and he was out there and, and they were fishing and he, uh, he, he was incredibly lucky this day because he was, getting, he was getting some big honkers of fish. And I mean, re really big ones, okay? I mean, I, not, not just... Not just 
you know, something like this, but and he wasn't exaggerating because his fishing buddy was witnessing this. And whenever he'd get these big ones, he would catch them and then throw them back into the water. But whenever he got the small ones, you know, the little ones like this, he'd keep those. And pretty soon after, after the better part of a day, his friend just can't take it anymore, and he asked the question, <laughs> I... I you have been catching fish all day and you've been catching some incredibly big ones. Why? Why are you throwing away the big ones? And the fisherman says, you don't understand, my friend. I've only got a 10-inch frying pan. <laughs> How often do we think that this is all we can do and settle for things that we think will fit well in our lives and miss or toss away the amazing things God wants to bless us with. Folks, he is El Shaddai. He provides when we can't see how. He provided forgiveness for sin through the death of his one and only son on the cross. And he provides eternal life through his triumphant resurrection from the dead, which we will be celebrating in a special way next week. But we celebrate that every week here because Jesus is alive. He was able to do what we could never do on our own. And because of that, our lives are changed. He is El Shaddai. And he's able to do far more than we think. That's why Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 says, Now to him who is able to do abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to his great power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever. Amen. And on this Palm Sunday, Jesus invites you to make him king of your life. On this Palm Sunday, you need to allow him to enter the gates of your heart. You need to surrender to him and let him know that you want him to be your El Shaddai. You're all-powerful. You're all-nourishing. You're comforting provider who surprises you with immeasurably, immeasurably more. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. And we thank you. Thank you for being El Shaddai. You're able to do so many amazing things. And we worship you. I pray, Father, right now, as, as, as we come maybe to grips with something additional that you are, and we are faced with our own inadequacies, that you will speak to us, that you will help us. Because, oh God, how we need your help. How we need you. Desperately. Be with us in this decision time. I pray in Jesus' name.